Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. And we also are able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to know more about Ellen Becker, you can go to ellenbecker.com. And you can also put a face with a voice. My guest today, um, I'm very excited about this. I had the opportunity over the weekend to read his book. And one of the things that Matt doesn't know is that our lives are very, very much the same. Right. And my life um, and my life experience is um, it followed his path. I was so amazed because I didn't, I've never met anybody who was on that same journey. So when I looked at it, um, I realized that Matt changed his career at age 44 and I changed mine at age 48. He had two children to support. I had three children to support. I was in the financial industry and he was in the financial industry. And we were both, at least for me, for sure, I was feeling that I wasn't following my own personal values and something just seemed a little bit off for me. And I just was kind of dissatisfied, even though I was making good money and all of my friends and my family said, why would you change jobs now? You're finally able to support your family. But I really had this, this sense that there was something more. And so for me, Matt, in my turning, the turning point for me was one day when I was sitting down with a client and he looked at me and he said, Karen, I know your kids will go to college, but what about mine? And mm. we were looking at his portfolio and of course the fees, and the commissions that were being charged. And yeah. it, it really woke me up that something wasn't resonating in my heart and in my spirit. My guest today is Matt Spielman. He is an author. He's also a head coach of Inflection Point Partners, an organizational firm that does executive coaching. Um, he's been a prominent guest on national TV, featured on Good Morning America, CBS Radio, and the renowned podcast Capital Allocators. So Matt, I want to just welcome you to the show. His book is called Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. So what was that term? turning point for you? <laughs> well, Karen, first, I, I want to thank you for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to it. Um, I was actually in the Midwest this past weekend. I was at the Michigan football game in, in Ann Arbor. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the <laughs> listeners, but I've been looking forward to our discussion. Well, the Packers for... won this weekend, so it's that... okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Good, 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 good. So my that moment, it was several moments building, Karen, there was one moment though, and it was, it came in a conversation I was having with my coach. His name is Peter Hazelrig, and he's been my coach for the last 12 years since around May of 2010. And at that time, I was in a really good position, similar to what you were saying at the outset, where um, financially I was doing well, I was working with really good people. Uh, but every day that I walked to the office, I felt there was this gnawing feeling of, I think I should be doing something else. And I wasn't quite sure what that was. 
And it was a conversation that I had with Peter where he said to me something so simple, but it hit me. It, I, it, it sounded so profound to me. And he said, Matt, just because you could do something well doesn't mean you have to do it. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, okay, so I feel a little bit liberated. I feel like now there's more agency and there's more choice in terms of what it is that I may want to do. So it was that really simple statement that hit me really hard in a good way. It gave you permission to think outside of the box because the society really wants us to stay in the box. And particularly for my parents and my friends, um, they couldn't understand why I would take that risk. But for me, what they didn't realize that the bigger risk was staying doing what I was doing. Well, Karen, I mean, that, that's it's literally a quote from the book where people said to me, Matt, you know, you're I was thinking about this in the early 40, in my early 40s, and I actually did enroll and go back to school when I was around 42, 43 ish. And people said, Matt, like, that's a real risk. And without sounding as, as genuine and as earnest as I really tried to be, my response was the bigger risk is that I don't do this. And that another seven or 10 years go by and that I don't flex this muscle. And I don't sort of listen to this, that sort of feeling that I had to, that I really wanted to pursue this. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I always, I talk to people, of course, in my business, and they're looking at what they want to do, what they want to do. And I often say to them, you know, the grass is greener where you water it, (laughs) you know, not just hoping something that you're looking at might be a better resolution. But I know when I was, I looked at your book and read it, and you talk about, and it's a word that we hear a lot, especially since COVID and people having a little bit more freedom on and how they work and what they want to do. But you talk about quiet quitting. And in your book, you say it's a lack of employee engagement. And uh, where did you, how do you identify that? And I guess there's two things I'd like to address in your book. I'd like to address it from the point of view as a manager who is standing back and saying, oh my God, it looks like my whole, everything I've worked for is kind of like drying up. Or for the employee that's saying, you know, he's talking about me. That's exactly how I feel. Well, so this this term quiet quitting is fairly new. And I I try not to give it too much airtime because it's just that. It's just a symptom. I don't think it's a cause. And I like to, in our practice and just in life in general, try to focus on the causes and the drivers of things. And the cause of and the driver of somebody who may want to quietly quit. And just for the audience, quiet quitting is, uh, there are a couple of definitions of it or variations on a theme, but in essence, it's somebody who's doing the bare minimum to keep his or her job, but not necessarily going above and beyond the call of duty. And some of the things that drive that term quiet quitting are lack of engagement. And the lack of engagement really stems from employees feeling like they're cared for, that they matter, that they know what's expected of them. Um, They have the resources to do a really good job. They hear feedback from the people around them and specifically their boss. And those as the Gallup organization has defining and been measuring engagement for the last 30 years with their famed uh, Gallup Q12, the 12 questions, they've been measuring this. And indeed, engagement rates are below when people are asked the Gallup Q12 questions, which get at some of the things that I just mentioned before. One of the things you had said in your book with 
relating to this quiet uh, quitting was for managers to, I say managers, employees to truly understand their mission and their vision and mm. to make sure that the employees um, are aligning themselves with that. My experience, and I, even as a small business owner myself, as I started out, I was wearing so many hats, trying to put on paper my mission and my vision really took some time. And what do you find as far as um, corporations or companies that you're working with, as far as do they actually have something in writing that someone can follow or a manager can truly understand and sort of like walk their talk? The best ones do. <laughs> and I would say too many do not. And what the way I think about vision and mission, because they can be some overused terms that sometimes they, they can lose their meaning. The vision is that which we're shooting towards. I sort of think about it in 1962, John F. Kennedy saying we're going to land somebody on the moon by the end of the decade. It's a finite, it, we, we can achieve, there's a, a point in time and we can see that particular goal. The mission gets at why. Why are we doing it? So the vision is the what and the mission, what drives us? What, why are we doing this? And the best organizations are pretty clear on what it is that we're shooting towards or what we're shooting for and what we're heading towards. And they really also take the time to get at, you know, okay, so why does that matter? What is the impact that we're going to have? And then they're also clear, Karen, on the how are we going to play? And some people call that values. By what value system, you know, are we going to play by as we're playing in the sandbox with each other and with our, our clients and other vendors, et cetera? The best organizations and the most effective organizations are pretty clear on what they're working towards and why. And there are others that, that don't, and, and they don't take the time to sort of sit down, almost like slowing down in order for them to go faster and sort of take the time. But it's so meaningful for employees to know, okay, I'm doing my job here, and I'd like to know where it fits into the larger image of what it is that we're working towards, because I want that which I'm working on to feel like it's something bigger than just my day-to-day -day task. That gives me meaning. That leads to engagement. In fact, on the, on the Gallup questions, that's question number eight. Does the mission or purpose of my company make me feel like my job is important? And that's really vital for people, Karen. You know, I notice with our employees that, um, and you talk about it, one of the jobs of the manager or whoever's overseeing that group is to hold people accountable. And, you know, mm -hmm. that really sounds like a, a hard, fast line, but we meet with every one of our employees on their birthday to see what their vision is for themselves and to see how they that. see themselves in the in our company. And we have found that our employees love that. They love the yeah. idea. And it and it's not actually that we're holding them accountable. It's just pausing for a minute and getting curious. And we find that it's it's very successful. I'm so glad you do that. And you know what you're, whether you're overtly messaging this to your employees or they're just experiencing this is you care about them. You want to hear from them. You're taking time out to do this. You want to hear what matters to them, what they want to work on. What are some of the goals that they'd like to bring about? That whole thing is about messaging to them. Of course, there's, there's work to be done and there's, there's uh, goals to set, et cetera but you're saying to them that you care about them. That goes a long way. Those employees are going to be much less apt to engage in this term quiet quitting. They will go above and beyond the call of duty. They will look around the corner, do that little bit extra because they know that the organization cares about them.
We're going to take a quick break, Matt, and my guest today is Matt Spielman. He is an author and a head coach. He's written a great book. I enjoyed it, Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And of course, you've been listening to me for so many years. You know how I feel about purpose. We all, I think we all do better when we know that we are valued um, in our own lives, our family. But one of the things, Matt, I want to talk about when we get back is that if, if managers are seeing that people are slipping and they're not on the bus, so to speak, or they haven't drank the juice, um, yeah. it, it's, it's about some deeper issues. And yes. I always say it's never just about the grapes. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And as I said, it's just so fun to be talking to my guest, Matt Spielman, today, who is the author of Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. He is also a head coach of Inflation Inflection Point Partners, which is um, an organizational and executive coaching firm. And I will give out his... Um, contact information a little bit later. And the reason it's so much fun is because our paths have been so similar. Um, you went and wrote a book, which I think is fabulous. I love it and I can relate to it. And last year I did a TED Talk oh, and awesome. I, ta I called my talk, The Power of Positive Disruption. And mm. really and truly, um, that's what you were doing. You, you had to disrupt your life first yeah. and you were willing to take... The risk, which I say it really wasn't much of a risk for me because the alternative was not going to be acceptable. And so I just have had so much fun um, interacting with you and, of course, seeing the success and what you've done. When I closed out our, our first segment, we talked about... Um, it's not about the grapes. There's deeper issues potentially going on in a company if things don't feel right or don't feel synchronized. How do you help people to get at those deeper issues? Well, one of the things that I absolutely, that comes up in our coaching and when I was a manager managing people is conduct regular cadence of conversations with the people who report to you. And I would say a minimum of every week, if you want to let it maybe three times a month, maybe, but, and these don't have to be hour or two hour meetings. They could be 15 minute meetings, 15 to 30 minutes. And that's by that accomplishes several things. One is you're not going to be surprised when you hear, or you'll be less surprised if you hear that some things aren't going well. Uh, you'll know kind of where they're coming from. You'll have a better pulse of what's going on in, in his or her life. Um, what are some of the projects that they're working on, some of the frustrations that they feel, some of the things that they really enjoy. And it opens up an opportunity to say, oh, you really enjoy that. We're launching this across the firm. How might you want to participate in that? Oh, Matt, that sounds like a really good idea. So Karen, I think it's really important to have regular touch points. They don't have to be long. And I recommend every week to really, again, that also messages that I care about you. And I'm not just specifically going to ask you about the project or projects you're working on, but I also want to ask you about you. And I think those regular touch points are super important. I would agree with you because what Julie and I have noticed is that when we have those regular meetings with our teams, they know that eventually they're going to have that meeting and they kind of save up the things that are important to them. Yeah. And they don't have anxiety around having to hold it in. They know that there's going to be this opportunity to express and that we're willing 
to listen and not judge. I think that's, uh, you know, so those meetings work fantastically. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. One of the other things, Matt, that you talk about is your um, GPS system, um, easy to use strategies. And I think right now, everybody in the world is looking for easy ways to do things because we're all so busy and the world is changing and we're trying to catch up and keep up. And so how do you make it easy um, to have a game plan system? Yeah. So the the game plan system, and as we call GPS, and I'm the double entendre is intentional because these are coordinates that you're going to set for yourself that provide the direction that you want to head. And sitting at the centerpiece of the game plan system is the game plan. And I have the benefit of, of talking to Karen via video. So for the audience, I'm holding up a single page laminated document that houses four meaningful and consequential goals, which also has attached some visualization and imagery to those goals. And those are com- those come out of conversations that we have with our employees, talking to them and seeing what are the things that they, they're working on and sort of part of their job. And it gets codified in this single page document. Now, as a coach and I work with executives, there may be two to three business goals on the single page document. And there may be one or two, when I say personal goals, it could be familial, it could be community, it could be a health goal, et cetera. And this is, there's time spent in understanding where the goal is coming from. And these aren't, Karen, very important. These aren't should goals. These are could goals. Meaning I shouldn't tell you, for example, hey, you should run such and such a marathon. Uh, it's through conversation and you telling me, well, Matt, there's a health goal. I'd like to say, well, tell me more about that. Well, I've always wanted to you know, participate in a group event. Like, so it's really coming from you. You say to yourself, what could I do that would be really meaningful and consequential to me or to you in this case? So there's this document that people have and it really provides that extra sense of purpose and intentionality to each day because the question invariably comes if I'm holding up this game plan in front of me, I say, what actions do I need to take today that work in service of bringing about these outcomes? And it, so there's a little bit of a layer of, of rigor to my day. I like what you said about uh, asking yourself um, not just what should you do, but what could you do? And I find that with many of my family business clients, they have children that they want to go into the business. And mm. so many of them, that's not really what their their plan is, but yet they yeah. feel sort of trapped into yeah. taking over their father's law practice or taking over a, a, a business. I'm blessed because my daughter is president of my company, but it was the direction and path she wanted to be on. Yeah. And yeah. so it's been a real joy for the two of us. I don't think in, you know, 30 some years we've had one disagreement and she always says, mom, you're the gas and I'm the brake and we got to work <laughs> together in order to go. And it's true. But so many times people find themselves in a should position rather than having had the courage, I guess, to some extent, or the ability to sit back and look at what could you do. And Matt, I also find this with my retiring clients who are getting out of a job maybe that they didn't like. And it's like, 
I can't find my way, but I know that there's something more inside of me. I don't know what I could do, but I just feel like I'm so good at what I've done, but there's got to be more. Yeah. I I, I have an idea for that person. So, you know, everything that I've I've mentioned so far is available for free download, whether somebody buys the book or not, I want to give away the materials and these templates and tools. And one of which is the sources and drains exercise. So it's for the audience, imagine something as simple as, and that there's a, a nice document that will do it for you, but a sheet of paper, draw a line right down the middle of it. On the left-hand side of the page is the sources of energy. On the right-hand side of the page is the drains of energy. In your current job or what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, keep track. Uh, you know, had a conversation with Karen today on Monday, and we talked about meaning and purpose. So that would be a source of energy. And there'd be other things that I would do, and that'd be a source of energy. There may be other things, you know, that I do, and there, there absolutely are other things that are going to be on the right-hand side of the page, the drains of energy. Do that for a week. Do that for two weeks. You'll have several sheets of paper. Think about your current job or your current position. Think about past jobs and maybe think about boards that you've sit on and extracurricular activities. What are the things that gave you energy versus those things that took energy away? So these are, again, this is coming from within. There's no shoulds going on here. These are just things that you did. They're not exogenous forces. Um, And the goal is to look at this several sheets of paper and begin to identify themes. And I know when I did this, when I transitioned from executive to executive coach, I I did this for a couple of weeks. I had several sheets of paper and I saw the themes where seeing people grow, develop, thrive, starting something new, something really entrepreneurial. And I was in a a media sales position at a wonderful company, but I wasn't doing enough of those things that gave me energy. And I really wanted to do more of them. So this is almost you talking to you through specific acts. And it's bifurcated by that which is giving you energy versus that which is taking energy away. And the reason why I use energy is because you can always follow the energy. You always know whether something either you know gives it to you or takes it away versus meaning, purpose, passion, all these other emotional, like electrically charged words can be really hard to unpack sometimes. My guest today is Matt Spielman. He has a great book, Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And Matt, one little thing that I've done with my clients, and we've talked about this in a little bit of a different way, but I I also talk about your timeline and how much energy it takes to Mm, do these different things. And I always say, just sit down and think about it. It's like a relationship is a water cooler. If you're the only one putting water back in it and filling it up, it you know, and if you're not filling up, it's going to go dry. And so what is sucking your energy? And, you know, I can have this visual of the water going down, down, down and being empty. And so we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is author and head coach, Matt Spielman. The book is um, Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. It's um, online in the bookstores. And if you would like to reach out to Matt, you can do that. And you can go to theinflectionpointbook.com. And also you can reach him at Matt at inflectionpointpartnersllc.com. Matt, one of the things as people are 
putting this together, their game plan. I don't know about you, but I had some ups and downs and some unexpected experiences that I really had to navigate through. And I think one of the things people always say is stop and smell the roses. And so how do, how do you celebrate the wins and how do you handle those setbacks? And yet, you know, once you receive that, you get to that goal, how do you really continue to create a new goal that builds on it? Yeah, really good question. And thank you for asking it. You know, we call it the game plan system a GPS intentionally because when you leave your driveway and go on a long journey, you know, a family road trip, what happens along the way? There will likely be some type of traffic. There'll likely be, uh, God forbid, some accidents, you know, something that happens along the way. And what does the GPS do? Well, it routes us around, you know, that those particular barriers and it ultimately with the eye on where are we ultimately going? What is our end destination? So one of the benefits of having this game plan is that we're starting out with our coordinates and now we are driving around and you know what? Yes, life does happen. Things get in the way. And if they didn't, then I would, uh, I, I would, I almost, that's, that's almost unheard of, frankly, Karen, like when, if nothing gets in the way. So some of the things that we do is once you're on your journey, we do just that was something that you mentioned, which is we do celebrate successes along the way. And I'll, I'll merely use the running a marathon as just an example, because it's very concrete, but let's say somebody's never run a marathon before. And then her first milestone was to run a 5k. Now that's not the marathon, but that is success. And I think that it should be acknowledged and all of the, from the body of positive psychology, celebrating that success with, with something, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a full on pizza party. Uh, it could be, but that, that is very important for continuing to travel down the road. I also think that, you know, sharing your goals. So if you take the game plan and give them to key stakeholders in your life, we talk a lot about accountability, transparency, and alignment in business. Well, if you hand somebody those meaningful and consequential outcomes that you're working on and towards, all of a sudden there's accountability, there's transparency, and there's alignment. We also do something here that we, we focus on somebody's strengths. There's a wonderful assessment, a free assessment that you could take. It's called VIA, Values and Actions, and it ranks your strengths from 1 to 24. And you can go to uh, viacharacter.org. So what we want to do is tap into even more of who you are to enable you to bring out and bring about those outcomes. The other thing we do is while we may have a longer term outcome, it could be six months, could be a year, it could be two years, et cetera. We really want to have a maniacal focus on the day. What are the three or four things you can do today that are ultimately going to work in service of and inch you closer to your goals? And there are several other little sort of key elements of how to increase the chances of bringing about your outcomes. But when there is friction that you face, you can pull on some of these levers. You know, Matt, one of the things as you were talking, it reminded me of another radio show I did with um, a psychologist. And he said that I had asked him, I said, what's going on in this world? I mean, we've got the market corrections, we've got COVID, things happening that are unexpected around the world. And he said, Karen, we've become a society of what if. Hmm. What if this happens? What if that happens? And whenever you say what if, it has a tail of a negative connotation hmm. to it. And he said a different way of approaching it would be to ask yourself, what is the worst case scenario? 
Mm. And generally, the worst case scenario doesn't happen. And giving yourself the credit that in between this, you can handle whatever is happening as it goes. And so as you're talking uh, about this GPS plan and what you should do, what you could do, I think I think it is important because I actually thought to myself, Karen, you're not a what if girl, but guess what? I started catching myself with yeah. what if, like what are the things yeah. I said? What if I go in the sand trap, you know, yeah. and I well, immediately went in the sand trap. Well, I was just going to say, you just increases <laughs> the chances that you are going to yes. fall in, in this, in the sand trap, you know, and I, I, I teach a public speaking course uh, at Columbia university. And one of the things that we, we actually go through, you know, what, what is the worst case scenario? You did a TED talk last year. There's so many people who are afraid of, and, and understandably so, they suffer from glossophobia, about 75%. People who are fear, afraid of public speaking. What was the worst thing that could have happened to you while you were delivering your TED talk? You Maybe you, maybe you forget a word or two, you forgot where you were. You would connect with the audience and say, well, I'm just going to get back on track. I'm going to pick up this thought and you just proceed forward, right? So I, I think that is a really healthy way of looking at things. And you know, thank you for sharing that, Karen. And I think the other part of that is people want to work with people who are human. That's right. That's right. They want to surround themselves with people who are approachable, who are human, who are sensitive, who are have empathy. And I think when you talk about coaching, and I'm really curious about one of the things that you said in your book, and you brought up this coaching, you're a coach that has a coach. Oh, how important is coaching? <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, if people are considering entering into a coaching partnership, it, it can be, you know, one of the more transformative and important relationships that you have. In doing your due diligence, I would find out where the person trained and what their approach is. I would also ask if that person has a coach and also if they do coach supervising. Um, if they don't, I would really, you know, it's, this is a craft. There is a science behind the coaching conversation. And especially today where anybody can call him or herself a coach, I think it's doubly important to ask some of these questions. And the big decision point for me at age 44, as you sort of said at the outset, was um, not necessarily start a coaching profession, but it was to go back to school to learn the craft. Of, of, of coaching because I wanted to do it the right way. I felt like my clients deserve that. And I wanted to, to deliver that type of service to them just as my coach had done it for me. But I think if you're talking to a coach and he or she does not have a coach, I think you may want to uh, talk to a, another one or two. Well, and in your book, you talk about the long winding road. And I think that's a great place where a coach can step in and give you a different perspective and see things through a different eye. I really didn't know that until I was doing the TED Talk and I had to go back and reflect upon what I was doing. But I myself, I worked at a nursing home and I learned to listen. Um, I worked in a restaurant and I learned the value of good service. Mm -hmm. I worked in a hospital and as an x-ray technician and I learned the value of education. And that was where I discovered that I really like helping people and I like to educate. And being an investment advisor, of course, that's really a key component, both of them listening and education. And so you went through not similar in a way through a lot of different things. And I think people often think, well, I'm moving or I'm changing and that's not healthy, but it is healthy. It is healthy. And and I think if it's a considered informed decision, it is healthy. And I think with every step, the way my long and windy road, I don't know if it's that long, but it was, you know, it was pretty windy. (laughs) Um, There were consistent themes in there, but with each step, I got closer. 
and I learned more about myself. I learned more about the world around me. I learned more about the things that I want to do and how I want to generate energy, right? Versus sort of that be part of things that take away energy. And I tried to make more informed decisions and kept chipping away at ultimately, you know, that expression of kind of the way I want to spend my days. And it still keeps changing. You know, I, I started Inflection Point Partners a little over six years ago. And what it looks like today is very different from what it was six years ago. And my guess is in six years, it's going to look differently. The what or the vision is going to change. But I'll tell you, Karen, the mission is not going to change. I started this because I want to ignite careers and energize lives. And I want to engender whatever your version of the fist pump is. And that was six years ago when I started this. That'll be six years from now, but it's it's the what is going to change, but the why or the mission behind it is likely, maybe the language gets sharper or better, but the, the feeling behind the language is not going to change. My guest today is Matt Spielman. He is an author and head coach of Inflection Point Partners, an organizational and executive coaching firm. He wrote a great book, um, Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And you can tell I'm truly enjoying it because I feel like we have had similar paths. We're going to take our last break. And you had said something um, earlier uh, about the importance of like what energy energizes you and what draws your energy and so some of the questions that you put forth were what do you want why do you want it and how will i get there and with that we'll be right back Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And, you know, this is like my 35th year of doing this raising show. And I talked a little bit earlier about one of the most important things to me is and the types of clients that we're looking for, clients who want to build relationships, um, clients who really do want to be educated. And Money Sense, in 34 some years, we've never sold a product on the air. It's all about helping you um, find answers for yourself within the conversations that we're having. My guest today is Matt Spielman. He wrote a great book, Inflections Point, How to Work and Live with Purpose. It's in all the local bookstores. And you can also go to his website, theinflectionpointbook.com. Matt, when we left, it was the what, why, and how. And, you know, how I mean, people know when they're not energized. They know when they're just getting up. I always call it the walking dead. You know, <laughs> I like to be around people who walk as if they've got a place to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about it when I talk about it with other people. <laughs> I've, I don't know if the audience will remember the Dunkin' Donuts commercials when we were, when we were growing up, which is time to make the donuts, you know, time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts, sort of that over and over. And yeah, of course there will be, days when we feel like that, but man, it's so much better if we know, you know, there's that additional intentionality to the day and that we know we're working on something that, that we enjoy, that we feel good about. There may be other people working with us on a team. And that, that's really, that's really what drives me. And that's really what I wrote the book about. I, I felt like too many people were living lives of quiet desperation as Henry David Thoreau defined it in his book, Walden. And that wasn't acceptable to me. And I felt like it was sad. I think it was sad. It was so sad to me because it was true. 
and you know, living lives of quiet desperation, walking around like zombies, even if people were getting paid lots and lots of money. So our focus is to go within and first, you know, of course we we look externally and we're the, the real world is right there and we have to engage prospective employers, we have to interview and we have to do really good work and all that stuff. But first we go within. Um, because we have different preferences and predilections and we have different instincts and different personalities, different sets of experiences. And I believe that everybody has a different song or songs that they want to sing. And it's sort of my job in the partnership to try to help them identify that, get some of that out, and then let's, let's get them singing. You know, Matt, it's so funny. You just said something that just brought back my childhood. And my father was a hard worker. He owned a gas station. And so he was fixing cars, pumping gas, washing cars. And I remember him saying to me, just wait till you go to work. Mm. Just wait till you have to go to work and then you'll know. And I thought, go to work. Does that sound horrible? (laughs) (laughs) And I think at that point, I made a decision that I'm not going to do what I don't want to do, because as much as he loved the people, he didn't love what he was doing. And um, it I think about that and it leads me to another question. And that's how do you figure this out? I always tell my clients. Let's sit down and figure out where you are today. It's like going to the mall for the first time and there's a big arrow and it says you are here. Yeah. How do you help people figure out where they are right now? And then um, you talk in your book about the piano man that most people, they want to accomplish great things, but they're just not sure of what great things they can accomplish. Yeah. So two things, and um, I, I want to share this with the audience because it's a very practical tool that that they can use and download. There's something called the purpose puzzle. It's a a document that you can download for free at at the website. And for the audience, imagine that there's a three by three matrix of jigsaw, nine pieces jigsaw of jigsaw puzzle pieces. And it's a square. And on them are things like career, friends, physical environment, your finances, your health, life partner, significant other, spirituality, family, community. You can even write in different headings for each one of these nine pieces or facets of your life that are contributing to how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis. So what you're going to then do is go within, take inventory of where you are that day on a scale from one to five, one being, uh, that piece is not necessarily contributing what I kind of want or need it to contribute. In fact, it's actually taking away. Or five is amazing. My physical environment, the house I just bought, I feel so good about it. I walk around, there's so much light. I light up. Um, That would be a five. And then there are gradations, you know, from one to, and everything in the middle. And it's color-coded. So one is around, is pinkish and five is red or crimson. So you have a visual representation of where are you right now across these nine different facets or pieces of your life. And we need to know before we know like where we're going and what goals we want to set for ourselves that would be meaningful to us, we need to know sort of where we are. And Karen, from that, that acts as a springboard of what are the three, four, maybe five outcomes that we would like to increase on that particular purpose puzzle. And so now you've really 
kind of organized your thoughts and what's working and what's not working. And I think that's really important because very often I'll sit down with a client and I'll, I ask them, what is your most important things that are for, it's always family. And then it, it might be job and it might be friends. It might be church. And I'll ask them, well, how much time do you actually spend with your family? If you're working that hard for your yeah. family and very yeah. often, not very much. And it just helps them to get in touch with what's working and what's not working. So now you've got this kind of laid out what's what you want. How does yeah. someone, how do you help them create a game plan? And, and then do you help them yeah. actually execute it? For sure. So let's, so you have this beginning point and, you know, you actually, that, that's, that's a great example that you just provided, which is, let's say friends, you know, they've identified that friends are really important to them on the purpose puzzle. It might be a one or two out of five, like real pink, you know, light pink. And then may say, and you can, it facilitates a conversation for you to have with that person and for that person to have with, with themselves. And they may want to set a goal around that. I want to put together a, a high school reunion, you know, in a certain location or so what might be a goal that we can activate against that to increase those good feelings that we want to trigger from that area of our life that's so important for us. We generally try to identify, you know, the, the template that people can, can download has four. You can easily configure it. So it's, you know, three or five. But I believe, fervently believe, and the science says, you know, fewer, bigger, better, not 20 goals, not 15 goals, not 10, but four to five well-chosen goals have really positive cascading effects across the other pieces, you know, in that purpose puzzle. So that might be one goal that you would, you'd set for yourself around, I want to kind of increase the strength and the connective tissue between and among my friends. Okay. There may be another goal. There may be a health goal. There may be two business goals, but we want to be specific and explicit about what that outcome is. And, but it's, it's based on where we are. And then we identify again, three to five things and outcomes that we want to realize. Now, what I've seen happen with several hundred of our clients is they may be more micro goals. So I mentioned at the earlier, which is 1962, we're going to land somebody on the moon, 1969, we got to the moon amazingly enough. Okay. These are more micro goals. And during the course of a year, we might create two or three of them. And so they're, you know, six month, one year type of goals, or maybe two years. And we check in after the six months and they may modify that goal a little bit. You know, Matt, it always surprises me when I sit down and I think about the fact that we have 168 hours in a week. Mm. And if we work eight and we sleep eight or we sleep six and we work 10, we only have 52 hours in that week left. Yeah. And it's yeah. how do you spend that? And I tell my clients who are always thinking about wealth, you know, in terms of money, that time is wealth. Mm -hmm. And really being able to put a plan like this together and understand where your time is going is, is amazing because as you do set your goals, and one of them might be a retirement, and how will you spend your time? And yeah. so I think that's really in, encouraging. And also, one of the things that you talk about in your book is let's keep talking. Um, and I know that you said earlier your goal is your mission is to ignite careers and energize lives. How do you keep talking to your clients and give us, we only have about two minutes left. Yeah. How can they contact you? Um, sure. What would you do for them? Would they pick up that phone and call? <laughs> so we typically enter into, you know, a one month to three month initial engagement. The one month would look more 
okay, what, what information do we need to gather to create by the end of that month, you'd have a laminated game plan in hand, your GPS coordinates. Uh, the longer engagement we then would meet generally every week to every other week. It's typically about three times a month in a scheduled coaching session, call it 45 minutes to an hour. And that's complemented by an always on approach, text, email, phone, obviously within, within reason. But what we don't want is having somebody just wait until, well, I'm not seeing my coach until next Tuesday. So I'm just going to hold it. Now we, we want actually we encourage a text, email, or phone call. And, you know, we've, I mentioned one month, three months, six months. I personally have been working with uh, some clients for ever since I started. So a little over six years or so. And the, the complexion of the relationship changes, maybe the cadence slows down um, or they just start a new job and it picks up, but it really, it really varies. We have currently 13 other trained and certified outstanding coaches on our coaching roster. Um, I either trained with them, trained from them, I learned from them, um, and we're in the trenches together. And that's how we're a little bit more scalable and we could, we could take on that many more people to really positive effect. Do you know, Matt, um, Julie and I have always been great proponents of coaching, and we both have done coaching. And I think it's it kind of comes down to something that a psychologist once said to me. She said, Karen, I don't work with sick people. I work with well people, mm. people who want to come because they want to get better. They want to do better. They want a higher quality of life. And I think a lot of times people think that co going, doing coaching is a sign of weakness, but mm. I really actually think it's a sign of success. My guest today Today is Matt Spielman. He is an author, and his book is Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And you can go to Matt at inflectionpointpartnersllc.com if you want to check in with him. Uh, the books are available. And Matt, this has been an absolutely great interview. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great day. Bye.